I'm going to start off by telling you all a little story. When I was younger, um, my younger brother and I, um, we would spend Saturday together in the same way. I've got two sisters and a brother, and um, my two sisters would go off, and me and my brother would stick together on a Saturday morning, and we'd do the same thing. We slept in the same room, so we always got up early on a Saturday at 6 o'clock, which is unthinkable now. Um, and we'd go downstairs and we'd watch cartoons for a few hours. We'd watch all the best ones, you know. I don't know what you guys had growing up, but Ant and Deck needed to be shouting at kids down the phone. And then in between that, there was things like Scooby-Doo, The Worst Witch, uh, My Parents Are Aliens, Power Rangers, that kind of stuff, right? Gunge everywhere, you know, those kind of shows. Um, and then after a few hours of watching the clock um, and eating cereal in front of the TV... Um, arguing over the toy that you get inside. Don't do that anymore, do you not? Good old days are gone. And um, we'd be um, just sort of waiting for nine o'clock. As soon as nine o'clock came, that was when we'd be given our weekly wages for being incredible children. Um, which obviously happened every week. And we were given five pounds a week, I know. Let me, just, let me just place this in time and economy for you all because um, I would have been about 12, 13, so we're talking about 2005. Back then, a Freddo bar would be about 10p. So with that five pounds, I could have bought 50 Freddos. Today, 50 Freddos will cost you 15 pounds. Okay, it's the estate of the economy. Broken Britain. But... Um, you're probably buying cheaper online. I don't know. That just gives you an idea of how much we'd have. So we'd go off into town, um, and we'd always buy the same things. We'd buy a magazine. My little brother would get the Beano every week. I'd get, I don't know, something Pokemon-related. And then we'd go to the pound shop and buy lots of really um, cheap plastic stuff, which is um, probably why we have a climate emergency now. And um, then on the way home we'd go past the burger van. And five pounds would have paid for all of this. Um, every single week, my little brother would get a mini hot dog, which is just a normal sausage in a bun. Um, and I would get a burger, a proper burger. This didn't happen by accident, right? I, st <laughs> I started young. Um, and every single week, my brother is one of the most intelligent people I know. He is also one of the strangest. And he has problems with um, certain things he doesn't like. Um, so he doesn't like ketchup on his hands. He likes it in his belly, but not on his hands. And so he'll always hold the burger bun like this um, from underneath, or the hot dog bun, and would never touch um, the meat or the sauce on top. And therefore, because of that, every single week when he's walking around town, the sausage would fall out onto the floor. I would instantly, as soon as that sausage hit the floor, I would be filled with seething anger. Just straight away, something would explode inside me. And I wasn't angry at him. I was angry at the situation. He was only eight or nine. I couldn't have been angry at him. I was angry because I knew that each time he dropped his food, it would be my job as big brother to share with him what I had. <laughs> Which is what I did pretty much every week. It was a small gesture that probably didn't mean much to him at the time, probably doesn't even remember now, but to me, it was the biggest sacrifice anyone on earth had ever made. 
And after the anger had died down, I'd mourn my half a burger. But I'd also feel like I was a saint. I'd be like, I'm so good. Look at me. I'm sharing, aren't I? Great. I'd martyred myself for the sake of my brother. And that's where I went wrong. There are things we do in our day-to-day lives that glorify God, that reflect Christ-likeness into the world. But once we begin to thrive on that feeling, once we begin to make our sacrifices about us, we lose sight of the purpose of sacrifice altogether. In the Gospel of Luke, we read of a sacrifice made in the temple. Jesus is teaching um, to people who have come to see him, and he's... um, teaching about teachers of the law, um, people who ran the temple, who were given positions of authority um, over Jewish people. Um, And he said he was teaching them to just watch out for them, basically. He was saying that these people who had a high position in society um, might use it for their own gain and um, make themselves popular, and we should watch that. Those who do that will be punished most severely. And then people start to give gifts, um, they start to tithe, like we did today. Um, they had a, an opportunity to give. And as they were doing this publicly, Jesus noticed that there were people who started to give lots of money because others could see them. They were showing off with their money. They had the money and they put it in, you know. If Bill Gates was here now, he could put a couple of grand in the collection box. What's that to him? That's loose change. To some people, that's loads. Luke 21 then says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. The amount of money that this woman put in was 1 64th of a labourer's daily wage. So the minimum wage on Guernsey today is £10.65 an hour, which is £85.20 for a full day's work, for an eight-hour day's work at minimum wage. In modern money then, 1 64th of that, this woman put pound thirty-three into the offering. A loaf of Hovis bread now from Morrison's will cost you pound forty-five. So the money that she had, those two copper coins, weren't enough to buy a loaf of bread, but she gave it to the church. She gave it because she believed in God. And she believed that by giving everything she had, she would help further the message. Now, newsflash, God does not care about your bank balance. He doesn't care how much money you've got. He cares about what you put into your life. This woman made an incredible sacrifice. She gave away all her money to the temple, which Jesus said meant she had given more than anyone else, even though financially she had given the least. Life as a Christian involves sacrifice. We're called to give to make a difference in the world by giving. And I'm not talking about money. The widow, by giving all of her money to the temple, wasn't just trying to help financially. She was expressing her faith. 
She was expressing her belief that through God and only God could we be saved, that that was the answer. Give, put everything in that bucket. Now we're, we run the risk, I understand, talking about this. I do sort of run the risk of sounding a bit like a prosperity preacher, you know, and tell you that if you donated £100,000 to the church, you'll be blessed, and I'll be blessed with a private jet. But <laughs> by giving money, we sacrifice for God. That is just one small way, though, that we can sacrifice for God. And we show that video most weeks. Um, we take an offering each week, and all the money we get is incredibly helpful. On behalf of the elders, I would just like to say, don't stop, okay? We, we need that, but that's not the only way that you can give. The greatest sacrifice of all time wasn't me giving my brother half a burger. It was the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. And it wasn't monetary. He gave his life so that we can live forever. The woman in the story gave her money, sure, but it was symbolic. She wasn't giving that money towards the church roof. She was giving that money to give everything that she had to give. So how can we give in other ways? That's what I want to talk about today. How can we make sacrifices that don't involve putting our hands in our pockets? Well, last week Phil spoke and um, really broke the mould by doing four points instead of three, which honestly was groundbreaking. I'm going to have to write to the Archbishop about this because it's all kicking off. So I've followed suit, why not? Four points that we can sacrifice for God without giving money. First, sacrifice our time. We're so lucky here at Shiloh to have so many people who are willing to serve, who are willing to help out around the church in different ways. You might think, yeah, but how does that help God? It just helps the church. Well, it does help the church, but by helping the church, it allows us to reach more people, to reach more people, to help them get to know Jesus for example. The welcoming team, wave if you're on the, the welcoming team. Oh dear. I'm going to have to take that phone off you, Vicky. And an elder as well. <laughs> there we are. Um, the welcoming team who are dotted around, um, they sacrifice their time every week. They get here early. They smile at people who come through the door, whether they're happy to see them or not. And they make everyone feel welcome. By making people feel welcome, they allow them to come back. They make them think, oh, that was really lovely. There's really sweet people. I want to come back. I want to come back and I want to learn more, actually. I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Then we've got the catering team, which is headed up by Nikki. Um, but includes everyone who stands behind that counter pouring cups of coffee. They are sacrificing their time and reflecting Christ-likeness into our community. They're showing us what it means to be a Christian, what it means to give your life, what it means to serve one another. I'm not going to go through every single team we have and talk about how each way of serving would help to further the kingdom of God um, but what I will say uh, is that we're always looking for people to help. 
And if sacrificing your time is something you'd like to do, there are many teams you can be a part of. No biases, but the youth team is especially good. Um, but uh, if you'd like to help out, Nikki does catering. Chantel over here does um, welcome. Sophie for youth. Um, Simon for prayer and Joe for worship. If those are the things, if you think God is calling you to sacrifice your time, speak to those people. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We have the opportunity to do good to one another through serving the Lord by sacrificing our time. Number one, sacrifice our time. Number two, sacrifice our things. I know you're thinking, well, hang on, Matt, you just said you don't need to give money, and things are basically just money. But I don't mean give them away. I'm not suggesting you give away all your jewellery, your car or your house to other people to make them feel better. We can sacrifice our things and keep them. We can do that by sharing. I'll draw your attention back to my incredibly selfless act with my younger brother. In Romans 12, verse 20, Paul recites a verse from Proverbs, um, which says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's not literal. It doesn't mean in doing this you will um, hurt him greatly. It means in, by doing this, you will prove yourself and you will show him exactly what you mean. You'll shock him. Give to those around you what you have. Share your food, share your water, share your homes if possible. Share your friends, share your time, your love. Share with people who don't have all they need. Share with those who you don't like, even. Because by doing so, by sacrificing the things you have to help other people, you're reflecting Jesus' love into the world. You're showing those around you just how strong the love of Jesus is. You're pushing light into the world, showing people the way through your sacrifice. It's really powerful. We teach children all the time. Like we, One of the first things we teach children after they can walk and, and talk, we always tell them to share. Oh, Tommy isn't very good at sharing as he snatches a toy off a kid and the kid starts to bawl. We always see that. We see that all the time. And we teach them to share and then we grow up and we forget about sharing. We think... I've earned this. I've spent time working towards this. This is mine, and I don't want others to have it. If they want it, they need to go out and sort it out for themselves. What if God had said that? What if God had said, well, I've created this planet, I've made this earth, but if people want it, they're going to have to make one themselves. Well, I've got the ability to send my only son to die for people's sins, but I've worked hard at that. I'm not giving it up each to their own, each to their own. It's a really poisonous sentiment that we have um, in sort of our modern culture, each to their own, they'll sort themselves out. No, we need to sort one another out. We are called to be like God, like Jesus, and we can do that through sharing. Thirdly, sacrificing our opinions of others. We are all gifted, everyone in this room 
has at least one gift from God, most likely more than one, um, of varying levels. And it's incredible because our different gifts help us um, to be diverse and help to create an incredible community that we have here at church. But the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. With our gifts, we have flaws. I'm very open about my flaws, um, one of which... Wife is laughing far too much over there. Um, One of them is, oh, this is very petty, but one of my flaws is that I really hold a grudge and I find it really difficult to forgive people. It's something I have to work on constantly. Once in my formative years, um, about 10 years ago now, I sent a tweet back when it was called Twitter to Sarah Millican. We all know Sarah Millican, the comedian. I sent her a tweet to say happy birthday. It's a bit odd, but she has a very special birthday because her birthday is also my birthday. So I sent her, her being this extremely successful comedian who has two million followers on Twitter, I sent her a tweet saying, happy birthday, it's my birthday too. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. She didn't reply because, let's face it, she didn't see it. Two million followers, it was her birthday. She had better things to do. But I spent my birthday grumpy because Sarah Millican, the famous comedian, (laughs) didn't wish me happy birthday. This was about 10 years ago, and I still remember it. The fact that I still remember this means that I took it far too seriously. It was completely my fault. Ellie and I are going to see Sarah Millican in a couple of weeks. I hope I'm over it by then. (laughs) But it's not healthy. It's not healthy to keep these opinions in. It's not helpful or healthy to allow myself to be poisoned by my own opinions. I need to sacrifice my pride regularly. I need to open my heart and bring those people in to love them as Jesus teaches us we should. And so do all of you. We all need to do it. We should be loving others as an act of worship. When we think of worship, we often just think of the, of the amazing singing and playing we had today, but that's just a small part of it. You can worship God in so many different ways, and one of those ways you can worship is to love people. If you go out of your way to give your love to people you wouldn't usually associate with, You're reflecting Jesus into the world. But how might that look? Well, you can pray for people. um, Ask if you can pray with them, allowing you to speak to God together. Or just pray for them alone, without them knowing. Either way, making an effort to bring them to God is a display of love. You can help them with their issues. If they're moving, grab some boxes, help them pack. If their car's broken down, give them a lift somewhere. If they're struggling in life, reassure them. There are many ways we can help people we don't like. If someone's hurt you, if they've wronged you, if they've been unkind or rude or ignored your tweet, forgive them. Show them the forgiveness Jesus gives to all of us every single day. Not only will it show God how you are giving all of your bitterness away in an act of worship, but you'll feel better too. So we can, we can sacrifice our opinions that we hold of other people. Finally, we can sacrifice our lives. 
Don't worry. We're not about to lock the doors. There's not going to be human sacrifice. I don't, I don't mean sacrifice ourselves in that way. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This verse is a little confusing because it does say to offer your bodies, um, but what it means by that is a 2,000-year-old text that we're trying to apply modern meaning to. What it means by that is not just your physical body, but all of you, your actions. Matthew Henry was a theologian in the 17th century, um, and about this verse he wrote, we receive things from the Lord every day. Let us render ourselves, let us give ourselves all that we are, all that we have, and all that we can do. After all, what return is it for such very rich receivings? We should give all we are, all we have, all we can do to God to show him our love, our praise, and our thanks to him for all he's done in our lives. This means thinking of God in everything you do and doing everything in order to glorify God. After all, what return is it for such very rich receivings? That means after all, what is making everything we do in life for the glory of God compared to the massive sacrifice God made for us, compared to eternal life in heaven? God has given to us through grace. The widow didn't give some of what she had, some of what she was, some of what she could do. She gave it all to God. She gave it all to Jesus. And in doing so, Jesus had said that she had gave more than all the rich men in the temple. The reason we give things up for Lent is to recognize how much Jesus gave up for us. We give up chocolate, he gave up his life. It's not equal. It's not an equal transaction. We need to sacrifice more to God. We need to give more to God. And how we do that doesn't necessarily involve putting your hand in your pocket. So, to recap, you can sacrifice your time to God by serving in church or helping others. You can sacrifice your things by sharing them with those, you need around, those who need around you. You can sacrifice your own opinions and biases by loving those around you, regardless of who they are. And you can sacrifice your life by making sure that everything you do glorifies God, that you are living for him. Now, I've stood here and spoken at you for a while, and I think it's time uh, that we start to um, have a bit of action on this. So I have uh, found, just in a drawer in the office, lots of blank checks. Um, don't worry, I printed them off, they're not real. Um, and um, Ellie has some, Ellie's going to wave at you. Uh, Jerry has some at the back somewhere. Where's Jerry? Give us a wave. Phil's got some down here. Um, and what I'd like each of you to do in a moment... Um, oh, sorry. Can the band come back up, please? Um, what I'd like you to do is, on this cheque, I would like you to um, make it payable to God. And I would like you to think of something you can sacrifice to God this week. That might be uh, your opinions to forgive someone. 
who has upset you. That's what you're going to sacrifice, your pride. You're going to sacrifice my pride and forgive this person. You might decide to sacrifice your dinner table. Oh, I really like having just us as a family at the table, but I know that so-and-so over the road is all alone. So we're going to sacrifice that time together by inviting them in. You might want to um, sacrifice uh, some of your time and take a friend out who's really down at the minute and they just want a coffee and a chat. You're going to choose to sacrifice something. And then you're going to come over and put it in this very special offering bin. If you want to, you can rip them up. You don't have to put your name on them. I don't want any names on them. We don't need to know what you've put, but God knows. And when you're putting your check in here, you're making a promise to God. That's what I want you to think in your head as you do it. I'm making a promise to God here. I'm going to do this. God's going to check it, uh, cash it in straight away. And if you don't do it, he'll know. We won't know. You can pretend if that's what you want, fine. But God will know. So we're going to have a bit of music um, whilst people write their checks and bring them, um, bring them forth. Uh, and then we'll go into a time of worship. So once you've written your check and you've put it in, I'd like you just to stand and get ready for worship. Is that okay? Thank you.